This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 265, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, April the 22nd. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 265. It's our Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, April the 22nd releases. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Welcome to the show. Every week we take a look at the comics that came out the previous week. This one's coming out a little bit later than uh, originally planned. It's coming out May 1st, um, which is also known as the day that uh, properly Avengers Age of Ultron finally releases in North America. It was in international markets already. Um, a lot of people actually saw it last night uh, across North America, seeing the I guess the 7 p.m. releases or whatever time they release it. Uh, friend of the show and previous co-host uh, Nathan Struck already saw it. He sent me a text saying it was amazing, and I'm like, ah, oh, you bastard, you got to see it before me. Um, so I'll be seeing it this evening. Hopefully, doing a podcast afterwards. Not really sure who might may or may not be part of the podcast yet, so I'm not going to say anything else about it. Um, so without further ado, let's finally talk about comics from April 22nd. Uh, I didn't read. I have a, I've just been. Uh, really busy in personal life land, um, doing renovations on, on my house, uh, which meant an entire weekend spent ripping out walls of, 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 uh, one of our spare rooms that are my, uh, soon to be two in August son will be moving into, uh, prior, just prior to his birthday or for actually part of his birthday present will, will be giving him this brand new pirate room decked out in all sorts of pirate gear. It's really cool. Uh, but in order to do that, you got to rip, rip out some walls, redo some insulation because the room was freezing. Um, anyways, with all that work, it meant that there was not a lot of time to read comics. So let's talk about seven comics that came out last week. Uh, first up, we have Amazing Spider-Man 17.1. This is uh, Spiral Part 2 by Jerry Conway and Carlo Barberi. I think the only thing that doesn't quite fit in this storyline right now, or at least in this comic, is the art. I mean, I like the artwork by Barberi. It's just a little too flashy, a little too stylized, and I want a bit more of a classic look in terms of uh, you know Spider-Man and his, his, his kind of cast. If this had more of a Gil Kane or John Reader Jr. look, I th- or sorry, Senior, I should say, I think it would it would feel a little bit more appropriate, especially given that it's Jerry freaking Conway writing it. I mean, he's a he's a legend. He's you know, a, a titan of the industry. He's created some really good characters and written some amazing and memorable stories. So it's just a shame that we don't have an artist that has seems to match some of the sensibilities. I'm not saying it's bad art. I just at times feel like it's not quite the right feel. Part of it's maybe the colors. Part of it's the, you know, the um, the way that Barbary is kind of illustrating it as well. Uh, the story, I think, is really good. I think it's very down to earth. It's nice to see Spider-Man tackling this kind of level of crime again, seeing a crime war story. It always kind of works well in either a Daredevil or a Spider-Man book. It just it feels right. It's working. I like it a lot. The only misstep for me is the art. Not because it's bad, because I don't think it's quite the right fit. So I'm going to give the issue a 7 out of 10. Uh, next up is Amazing X-Men number 19. Love this. Now, the ending felt a little like maybe it wasn't the best ending because it doesn't, it doesn't really end anything. Like There's really no true sense of climax in some ways. Uh, but I did like it. It's written by Christopher Yost. I work by Jorge Fornes. This is the, uh, the Once in Future Juggernaut epilogue. Um, it's kind of weird that's even an epilogue. Why is it being called an epilogue when it really feels like much more of a important story, uh, kind of ending the Juggernaut story? So now Kane Marco has once again accepted the mantle of the Juggernaut. It goes up against Colossus. They have a fight. 
Um, it's kind of cool to see the X-Men going up against Kane now that he's in this kind of new version of Juggernaut, seeing Colossus going up against him, what it means to Colossus personally to be able to take him out or at least stop him. Um, very cool. Again, even the idea that you know Colossus is kind of a character who wants to die, um, which sounds weird, but if you think about it, like you know he gave his life to, to save everyone of the legacy virus. Here he almost lets himself die to stop a foe. Like He almost has a bit of a martyr complex going on. Um, really dug it. The artwork I thought was really strong. Uh, it just feels like classic X-Men. Even like even though the rendition of uh, Juggernaut is a little busy and not quite as much fun and simple as uh, the classic version of Juggernaut, I still thought it was really good. Again, the art was crisp and uh, very expressive. And I really like the series of flashbacks to the different characters involved here. So between uh, Sidorak himself, between K. Marco, and between uh, Colossus, um, and the influence of, of uh, Charles Xavier as well. Very cool. I have dug this a lot. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I think it's a, quite a solid read. But I'm not surprised because this book has been really enjoyable pretty much since the beginning. Uh, next up is Avengers World 20. This episode, this particular issue felt like it lacked a little bit of the substance of the previous issues. I mean, the whole point of the storyline has been to to show what happens between the you know pre time runs out era and when they flash forward eight months. And this one, I felt a little it was a little less interesting. We'd already gotten a sense of that something was going on with Shang Chi and the current continuity, and this kind of weird esoteric story, kind of showing him being in this kind of dream world and then accessing this power. I didn't really enjoy it. The weird pseudo-sexual confrontation between Black Swan and Namor also didn't quite feel like it needed to be there. Um, I guess where they ended up leaving Shang-Chi afterwards was cool, and him kind of going up against like kind of a different rendition of himself uh, back when, I guess, he wore less clothes. Um, it just it was kind of, again, odd. Seeing an army of Shang-Chi's was cool, and the very end was kind of cool with Sunspot showing up to uh, kind of save the world with AIM, but... I don't know. It, it, it lacked a lot. I did like the art. Um, I've, I've been enjoying it all the way through, but generally speaking, I'm a big fan of Marco Cicchetto. Um In terms of the writing by Barbier, I'm not a huge fan here. Um, it just felt more rushed, or it felt less organic, whereas the previous issues I thought were a lot more interesting and a lot more involving of the reader. This one just felt like, yeah, okay, you know, get to the point, because we've already seen where Shang-Chi goes, so it wasn't like it was this big revelatory moment. Um, so I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. It's strong art, weak story. Uh, next up is one of only two Convergence stories I actually read this week. Um, and I realized part of the reason for that is that as much as I, I, I'm liking the general idea for Convergence, at the end of the day, these characters are based in the 1984-85 versions, which, you know, is 30 years old. I was barely alive when these characters were kind of around in these versions. So the ones I ended up reading were the ones I have always kind of enjoyed more as characters. So I read Convergence Flash, which is the first one I'm talking about, um, which was kind of cool to see this particular version of Barry Allen. It's interesting to have them kind of mention the Speed Force because at the time it didn't exist, but uh, kind of see him without powers, what he's able to do... Um, his confrontation with ben, with uh, Barry Allen, sorry, not Barry Allen, uh, Bruce Wayne was kind of interesting. Um, just kind of seeing how the character reacts to, to being powerless and, and no longer kind of having the weight of the world on his shoulders, and then seeing him turn into the Flash again and him feeling like now he's alive. Um, I don't really know the version of Superman he's going to be going up against in the next issue, uh, but I liked 
the way that Barry Allen himself was treated as a character. And having read some of these 80s comics when Barry Allen first disappeared after the trial was over, uh, it definitely felt like it was very organic to who the character was at that time, which is really the most you can hope for from these particular books because they're recapturing a certain magic, uh, a certain version of the character, which hasn't existed in this case for almost 30 years. It's written by Dan Abnett. Not a surprise that it's a great script. Federico Delocchio, I don't think I've ever heard of him as an artist, but I actually really liked his uh, portrayal of Barry Allen under the dome. His version of Barry Allen once he becomes Flash uh, wasn't quite as sold on, but um, I, I did like, especially like there's a shots where it kind of looks like Mike McCone, but lacking a little bit of the uh, ability to uh, illustrate movement and fluidity, but... Uh, overall, very strong script, slightly weak art, or at least not t totally consistent. But for, considering most of the issue is centered on Mary Allen, I think it was able to do a better job. I think next issue, with the second issue of the miniseries, um, having the artist doing mostly Barry Allen as The Flash, and knowing that I wasn't a huge fan of his work here on The Flash, uh, makes me a little cold for the next issue. Uh, I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, it's only hampered by the art. Uh, next up is Convergence, Batman, and The Outsiders. This I dug a lot. Um, again, I don't really know much about The Outsiders, but I just kind of enjoyed the, seeing this version of the team. I thought the script was extremely stung by by Andrako. Um, the artwork by Danda. Um, was it time? Well, I think the colors were more what was putting me off of this. I thought they were almost a little too garish at times. I would, would have liked a color palette a little bit more subdued. Um, but the art itself... Um, very enjoyable to kind of see how the outsiders are enjoying being underneath the dome, better for better or for worse, especially for the better in case of um, Rex Mason. And then, of course, as we've seen in every other book, the dome uh, falls and then everyone has their powers back. Although here I thought the whole concept of the dome falling was given so much more heft because we have all these different characters and we're seeing how they're impacted in that split second where the dome falls and they all have their powers rushing back to them. Whereas in a lot of the books, it felt like it was kind of rushed that moment and it was just kind of something they had to do. But here in Draco feels like he really builds it into the current of the story and you feel much more invested. Like when Rex Mason becomes Metamorpho again, like it's tragic. Like he's had a year to not have any powers, which means he's being able to kind of be human again. And then losing that is, is horrific. Um, so I thought that was actually really strong character work here. So I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Um, next up, the second last book we're talking about this week is uh, Hulk number 15. Kind of a weird book. I mean, it's kind of, it's the second part of the, the big kind of throwdown between Hulk and Red Hulk. Um, at times, the I, well, I, I should take it back. The artwork is fantastic. Um, it's thrilling to kind of see these two titans fighting each other. But in terms of story and plot, there really isn't much. But that being said, we've had issue upon issue upon issue to kind of lead up to this point when this would happen. And it's interesting to kind of see them clearing the deck. Because I think that a lot of people did like Red Hulk as a character. His original introduction, maybe they didn't like. But everything after that, I think people did like. So the fact that he loses his powers here was kind of uh, interesting that they would go that route. But we'll have to see where they kind of go from there uh, once we have Hulk post secret wars and what that even looks like um the ending here very cool with him kind of uh with doc green deciding to go to new york and basically saying he's dying um excited to kind of see what the next issue will have in store it feels like there's gonna be a lot of heavy lifting in hulk 16 like to kind of clear the deck do a lot of work to kind of wrap everything together and then have secret wars happen afterwards which may or may not render all of this moot anyway um great art by bagley great story by dugan 
Uh, I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. It was probably one of my favorite reads of the week, except for Star Wars number 4, which is the last book we'll be talking about, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Jason Aaron continues to prove that he is the right writer for this book. Um, I'm really sad that Cassidy is going to be leaving because his artwork is just breathtaking. Um, the, the whole sequence in Jabba's Palace looked like right out of the film. Uh, you can feel the power that Darth Vader has. Um, even the War Room kind of sequence with uh, Princess Leia felt very movie-like. Uh, seeing Luke kind of dealing with, you know, wanting to be able to tap into the Force, and he doesn't think that he's good enough. Uh, to, you know, and and really being hard on himself is really cool. Um, the elements with Greedo. Um, and later with Boba Fett felt a little padded, like they could have been shortened up a little, but um, it's still just such a fun, fun read. It feels very cinematic. Most of that's the art. Super sad Cassidy's going to be leaving the book. Uh, I'm hoping that the book's able to kind of maintain that energy because thus far a huge part of the energy in this book is the art propelling it forward and, of course, the great Jason Aaron script. So I'm going to give that 9 out of 10 as well. Um, there's a ton of books I didn't get a chance to read this week. I'm not going to go through all of them like I sometimes do, but some of the, the ones of note that I haven't had a chance to read yet, but I'm looking forward to at least, include uh, Uncle Scrooge number one. Uh, not really looking forward to all new X-Men 40. Not because I'm against the development, but more, I just, I've heard a lot of things about, you know, even though the development might be interesting, the way it's handled is really poor. So, and the characterization of the character who kind of brings it out is also pretty poor. I haven't read it, so I can't really speculate on X-Men 40 yet. Um, there's Black Widow 17. There's the finale to the Black Vortex storyline, which I haven't had a chance to read yet. And I guess Aftermath issues in Gardens of the Galaxy 26, as well as the aforementioned old new X-Men. Uh, and then there's also a new issue of Wolverines uh, that I didn't get a chance to read as well. Looking forward to next week, and by next week I mean two days ago, um, on the, I guess, 29th of April, some of the highlights from that week's comics that we'll be talking about next week. Uh, include the Batman hardcover volume 6, The Graveyard Shift, uh, volume 5, J Paperback, Zero Year, Dark City, uh, new issues of Convergence, so there's Convergence Action Comics, Convergence Booster, uh, Booster Gold, Convergence Blue Beetle, Convergence Crime Syndicate, which I'm actually really looking forward to, Convergence Detective Comics, and then others on Infinity Inc., Justice Society of America, Plastic Man and the Freedom Fighters, and Shazam. Um, some of those look really exciting uh, talking about trade paperbacks there's Fables trade paperback volume 21 Happily Ever After uh, Gotham City Sirens trade paperback volume 2 Green Arrow volume 2 sorry 6 trade paperback called Broken as well as Multiversity number 2 and Superman number 40 which is obviously kind of late because this is Convergence Month and yet we're getting oh I should also say we're also getting Batman 40 which is part of the Endgame storyline that should have ended back in April um, coming out from uh, let's see uh Marvel Comics, some of the highlights include The Amazing Spider-Man, Edge's Spider-Verse Trey Paperback, um, which is collecting that, I think, four or five issue miniseries, uh, which is really bothers me that it's not in the main um, hardcover, because it just feels like it's it's a few more issues they could have put in, and if you want to have the first appearance of Spider-Gwen, you can't really have it unless you get this trade or that original single issue, which is actually pretty hard to find now. Uh, there's the last issue of Avengers as part of Time Runs Out. There's a ton of Avengers stuff because of the new movie coming out. There's the Avengers Epic Collection, uh, The Whole Division, Avengers Vision and Scrabble with Trey Paperback, New Printing, Avengers West Coast uh, Vision Quest, Trey Paperback, New Printing, which is a fantastic story by uh, John Byrne. 
Uh, there's also new issues of Daredevil and Fantastic Four. In fact, it's the last issue of Fantastic Four. Uh, there's the second trade paperback of Elektra. There's the third Fantastic Four omnibus. Uh, they're finally getting around to the third volume, which is pretty big, because I think it's the first of any of the omnibus lines that have actually had three volumes. So hopefully this bodes well for Amazing Spider-Man, Uncanny X-Men, and more. Um, we've got uh, moon, a new issues of Moon Knight, the last issue of New Avengers, also part of Time Runs Out, a new issue of Nova, there's the original Sin trade paperback, the original Sins trade paperback, um, there's new issues of S.H.I.E.L.D., Silk, Secret Avengers, Le- Princess Leia, Silver Surfer, Spider-Man and X-Men, Superior Iron Man, Wolverines, and X-Men, as well as the aforementioned Spider-Verse hardcover, which has a lot of packed uh, information and comics in it, even though I don't think it was necessarily the best storyline, it's... It's going to be nice to have it all in one big spot because I only picked up the I think the, the single issues of the main title, so this will be nice for me. As well as the third trade paperback of X Force, which I don't even know when it ended or how long it went for. I just uh, didn't even know it still existed. So that is everything that comes out on the 29th of April. Uh, if you want to email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, you can rate, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, post in our HG thread as well, and we're also on Stitcher now as well. So go. Uh, check us out and check out our back catalog there's 264 other episodes that you can give a give a listen to so our next episode will be episode 266 looking at the avengers age of ultron movie hopefully um and then future episodes in the next month will include interviews with dan jorgens and chuck dixon on separate episodes so thanks again for uh listening to us uh for this episode and we'll catch you next time Bye bye